Welcome to the Voices of Manufacturing, where business leaders across the country share their unique challenges and insights. We want to help people within manufacturing and make them excited to come to work every day and go home safe to their family. When you bring people in, they're anything but a machine. They're partners that can help you build your business, that can be your success if you treat them right. It's almost like magic because it takes the learning process sometimes from weeks down to days, sometimes hours. This podcast is brought to you by Dazuki the premier frontline digital transformation solution that allows manufacturers to standardize operations. And now here are your hosts, Brian Salee and Michael Mullenberg. Hey, Michael, I know you've been busy lately. We haven't talked for a little while. How was the AME conference in Cleveland? Well, it, it was a great event. Um, you know, it is every year and you know, you, you, you think, how can you outdo last year? But um, you know, attendance was great. Uh, the, the, the events uh, around the conference were great. The speakers were great. Um, a lot of new people, a lot of first-time people, and uh, just a lot of excitement around manufacturing and people wanted to get better. So, you know, kind of come off cloud nine after an event like that, you just feel inspired uh, to work harder, to do better, um, and, and to encourage this next generation of manufacturing people. So all in all, very, very successful. That's great. I was there last year and I remember, I think it was the first conference I had been to since COVID or mm -hmm. second, something like that. And it was decent attendance. How was it this year now that we're, you know, a couple of years out? Yeah. You know, attendance was about the same. Uh, but I, again, the, I think the, the metric is how many first time attenders, you know, new people, um, you know, companies venturing out and sending their people, uh, for a first time experience. And the feedback was great. Uh, people were like, wow, you know, this is what we've been missing. Um, I, I also got to mention there were a couple of keynotes were very inspiring, um, as always, um, got a chance to hear Bob Chapman, one of my heroes and, um, and briefly met him, but really heard just a great talk, you know, just, just still on cloud nine after that. And we'll talk about some of his uh, comments later, um, on this podcast, but again, uh, we're looking forward to Atlanta already. So it's, you know, Atlanta's only 11 and a half months away, so they'll do it yeah, again. That'll, that'll be a great one. Hopefully I'll, I'll be joining you for that one. I'm curious though, you know, you go to these events and, you know, especially someone like yourself, you talk to a lot of people, a lot of different roles are at these events, you know, everybody from, you know, engineers to consultants, uh, to authors, like you mentioned, what were a couple of your big takeaways or trends that you identified at the AME show? Yeah, boy, I've got pages of notes, uh, so I haven't really summarized them yet, but I'll just off the top of my head, I would say. You know, there's, there's still a very, very strong people focus. The sessions that talked about people, training people, um, training young people, even down to the high school level about manufacturing and lean, um, those sessions were absolutely packed. The dialogue, the Q&A was just fantastic. Um, a little less on technology, a little less on the connected worker. I think, I think those, are, those are covered by other events, but still some interesting applications, um, people trying new things you know, kind of breaking down barriers, maybe just starting their digital journey. Um, and then a couple of the, you know, well-known authors uh, are, are sharing new material. And just really, really great to get energized, kind of relearn some maybe older techniques, put a modern spin. So there's a lot of great publications. I'm not going to name any of them because I'll, I'll probably leave somebody out and I don't want to offend them, but I'm really impressive. These, these authors are, are uh, really capturing the stories and being very, very timely with the stories they're presenting. So some really, really good stuff there. We were talking a little bit beforehand. One of the things that you mentioned to me that 
we've been seeing all the, we keep talking about it, this manufacturing renaissance that's going on in the United States right now. Factory construction is booming. Job openings are still uh, a major challenge for manufacturers, which is a, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there. But you were mentioning growth. A lot of companies are going through significant growth right now. You mind expanding on on what that means, you know, in, in terms of like new products or just growing in terms of number of customers? Like what type of growth stories were you hearing about at the show? Yeah, so AME was certainly full of that. Uh, you know, there's the, they're amidst growth, they're still sending their people to conferences and asking the question, how do we, you know, how do we react faster? How do we improve faster? How do we get capital faster? How do we get employees faster? I mean, all these things. And even in my private consulting, I'm seeing companies that are growing, you know, 50 to 150%. And a lot of it is, you know, more volume, um, just, you know, just, just they're, they're, they're casting a wider net. They're reaching more customers with their existing product line, but they're also capturing new business. Um, so, you know, machine shops or, or people that have flexible manufacturing, they're bringing on new product lines and capturing, you know, new business, which is, which is really exciting. Um, that's, that's a really fun thing to have happen to you. And um, yeah, again, the numbers are staggering. Sometimes it's a modest, you know, 10, 15%, but I was hearing stories of 50, 100, 150% growth. That's incredible. Those are, those are great numbers. Uh, that's a good problem to have, but it is a, I don't want to say it's a problem. It's a challenge when you go through that type of growth. And I know you've been through this before in your career where, you know, you've had a product that really catches on and all of a sudden you've got to meet demand that has spiked or you've got a lot more customers and you've got a tool up to meet that demand. But I'm curious from your perspective, you know, when a company's going through this type of growth phase, you know, what are some of the issues that come up and maybe, I guess, themes, if, if you want to call it that, you know, what are some of the challenges that they run into or mistakes that they make as they're going through these, you know, significant growth phases? Well, and I want to even quantify your comment about growth. I mean, so I'm not talking like, you know, 10% growth might include things like lean initiatives and working extra shifts and things like that. And, you know, as soon as you get to like 25 and above, you know, 25, 50, hundred percent, things start changing very rapidly. So that's the kind of growth we're talking about. And yeah, there's, there's mistakes. Uh, you know, maybe I can boil it down to a couple of bullet points here is um, the first thing I see is, you know, these, you get everybody working on improvement. You have your huddles, people are making suggestions. Maybe everybody gets to do a project. Um, you're trying to develop your team. And what happens over time is you start working on insignificant projects. I'm a big Paul Akers fan. I love two-second lean. But the danger there is we do two-second lean and we make, thing, make things appear better than they are, but they really aren't sustainable or they're not really hitting the bottom line. And so take, taking those insignificant improvements and channeling them toward your growth, saying, yeah, we want a lot of projects. We want ideas, but we have to filter them with, you know, with the growth mindset. And not just, not just do projects to do projects or not just do, you know, projects to get everybody involved. Let's prioritize a little bit better and um, you're going to be able to respond to your growth a little bit better. I know, you know, you've seen customers uh, like that as well that are in that mode where, you know, where to start? Well, let's just dabble in a lot of little things. And um, focusing on the big thing is probably more important when you're in a growth mode. Yeah, that's, and, and actually that's a really interesting point here. So you know, if you're a manufacturer going through significant growth, you're bringing on, let, let's just say you're growing in terms of your output because you've got more customers that are coming in the door. 
you've got to expand production. You got to hire more people, add more machines. And the point you're making here is that you've got to be very careful about the projects you take on during this time because you're already stretched, right? You're already trying to adapt to this new growth rate that you haven't had before, hitting, trying to hit production targets you haven't had to hit before. And any project you bring on could take away from your focus on, you know, supporting that growth. Is that, is that kind of the idea there is like, you know, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that leads to kind of my second point is, you know, initiative overload. So you have, you're working on too many things, you know, too many metrics and people are competing, you know, is it, is it operational excellence or is it inventory management? Well, in a growth mode, I mean, putting, putting turn targets and inventory targets seems a little bit ridiculous to me because you got to have the raw materials to produce uh, the product uh, because the customer is going to look elsewhere if you can't supply. So in a growth mode, I go a little fatter on inventory, take some risk there and, um, and then drive the, the capacity through initiatives around, you know, changeover, just, you know, overall capacity management of your, of your team and your, your equipment and those kinds of things. But I guess the main point there is, you know, instead of chasing initiatives that, you know, many, many initiatives keep a central focus. Hey, we're here for the customer. We're here to grow and not give us too many secondary metrics or chasing down, you know, flavor of the day. During my career, I, I saw initiatives come by every one to five years and the whole cart got upset. Different metrics, different leadership, different focus. Um, how about we just grow? I mean, what's, what's the matter with that as an initiative? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, uh, that, that could have been the initiative during the entire time I was, I was, you know, working for a fortune 50 company. Um, you know, why, why do you need a different initiative? Why not just focus on growth? Do you, Michael, do you find that, you know, initiative overload, especially during times of growth, right? You've got multiple leaders in the organization and everybody kind of wants to have, leave their mark or, you know, have their project. Is that sometimes why you run into initiative overload is you've just, you've got too many leaders who, you know, maybe there's not enough alignment at the top around the company strategy. And then they're trying to figure out, you know, their own strategy for their area. It, absolutely. I could, I could put a name with each initiative that I was involved in, you know, initiated by a particular leader for a period of time. And, you know, the interesting thing is that there was a brief time, uh, you know, at, at 3M where we had a, a very central focus, uh, when, when Inga Tulane took over, I felt like we were aligned to a common goal more than ever. So in my career, even, even my, my, my father's career before me. So I thought, oh, we're onto something here. You know, maybe we'll stop tracing initiatives. Um, but again, those habits keep creeping back in and it, and it changes. And it's so great when you're aligned to sort of a common theme and every employee knows it. And then you don't have to re-message everything when, when, when you decide to grow or not grow or, or whatever. Um, so I, I, think, I think there's a huge opportunity to have just this constancy of purpose, stay focused on the big picture, um, and, then, and then manage to that, especially in the growth mode. I think you can get very, very distracted. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of, we did an episode with John Kuyper from, I want to say he's from MPP. And that was something he talked about was that North star getting the company aligned around, you know, what's that North star, but just to recap, you, you know, you talked about insignificant improvements. So improvements that really aren't going to make a huge difference. So don't, don't get too, don't allow too many of those to crop up initiative overload, which we're just discussing here, which is, you know, don't allow all these individual leaders, department leaders to come up with their own initiatives, which could distract from 
the main goal, which is to sustain this growth and support mm -hmm. the teams through the growth period. W what else, anything else we should be on the lookout for as we're going through this growth lessons learned type of look back from your career and, and your experience? Yeah, well, the other one that comes to mind is, is overly rigid processes. I like to call it the ninth waste. The bureaucracy, red tape, you know, we've, we've always done it this way. And when you're in a growth mode, I, I think you got to flex the rules a little bit. You need to accelerate things. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on how to do that. But really just that mindset of, you know, we've always done it this way. We need 10 signatures on that form. You know, we've got, we've always worked with this vendor. We've always hired people this way, you know, with this, with this hiring process, we get stuck in that. And I, I, I think, you know, there's the saying, you know, make the standard, find a better way. We like to make the standard and we like to overcomplicate the standard, but we don't leave much room for the find a better way. And a, a friend of mine, Jeff Schneider, a great lean leader at 3M, um, he had this catchphrase that he always used and I'll never forget it. I, I, I have great memories of having conversations when Jeff would say, wouldn't it be great if we could do this or we could try this or it's okay to run an experiment? Wouldn't it be great if that experiment worked? And I just love that. I don't hear that often enough. And again, a great, a great concept that if you don't do it well, it's going to impede your growth. That's really interesting because it's kind of this, you know, and I, I go back to all these episodes we've done together and we did one, I'm blanking on Andrew's last name, but we did one previously and the company was going through a growth phase as you mentioned significant growth going from mom and pop you know kind of shop to more of a corporate structure and one of the challenges was around uh the people everybody was comfortable this is the way we've always done it and so it's kind of that lesson you know what what got you here isn't going to get you where you want to go kind of thing um and so i'm i'm curious if you have too much rigid process sometimes that can be uh personality driven, you know, you've got certain people within the organization who've been there a long time. They've got a lot of ownership, a lot of pride over the processes they've created, the structure they've created. How do you get them to change their mindset then? Cause that seems like no matter what you say as a leader, there's always going to be a few key people that you have to, to win over and get them to buy into this different way of thinking, which might be, you know, I always like to saying, you know, you got to let go of the rope a little bit sometimes. Yes. Um, how do you do that? Yeah, that was, that was Andrew Murphy at Norman Noble. Andrew Murphy. Yes. And, yes. Uh, you know, that's, that's certainly, uh, you know, sort of the small mindset, um, and, you know, and very, very rigid. We also had Chris Policastro that talked to us about FDA and sort of, you know, being overly rigid based on an external organization, you know, like OSHA or, or FDA, or maybe a particular customer. So yeah, you have to find a way to break through that and. Actually, one of the, one of the ways a leader can address that is this idea of failing fast. I like to say learning fast because failure is not fun, you know, no matter how you look at it, but you know, if you can just loosen up a little bit so that you can run the experiment, you can determine whether, whether that's going to give you a path forward or not. And maybe, um, you know, there's those restricting organizations allow for some wiggle room. Maybe your culture allows you to, to run the experiment such that you gain some insight. And then you say, well, that wasn't so bad. You know, we, we actually had a win there. Uh, let's, let's do that more often. And so you create a, a series of successful experiments. And what happens is your, your culture starts changing. You, you loosen up, as you said, you know, let, let a little, you know, let loose the noose a little bit. Um, and then, and then everybody has this growth mindset. So they start thinking about what if, you know, what if we tried it this way back to Jeff's comment, wouldn't it be great if, 
you know, you did X, Y, or Z, and you start hearing that in the hallways um, after you've gone through a couple of successful iterations of this. Do, do you think that adherence to kind of rigid structure, rigid process, if, if the organization changes the focus to be, you know, we're going to, you know, maybe it's around uh, hitting production targets or meeting customer demand within, you know, hit, hitting a certain tack time or something like that. If the focus shifts to, you know, like one key metric and then nothing else matters, but that one key metric, how we get to it, does that kind of open people up to pursue or to, I guess not pursue, but to, um, you know, again, back away from the rigid structure they've had in place before, if they've got that kind of North star to focus on. Well, definitely. And I think you hit on it, having, having too many metrics, you know, having all those different metrics, it's going to basically say you can't run any experiments because you're going to mess up some metrics. If you just have the one and you, and you say, Hey, I'm willing to put a pause on the other metrics. I think it frees you up to experiment, take some risk. Maybe some of your other metrics will go south, but as long as the main metric is going forward, you know, then you're, then you're going to be, feel pretty content with your situation. And it's going to encourage that spirit of, Hey, let's try, let's try instead of, I need to keep all 20 metrics in the, in the green. Um, that's probably a future episode for us to talk about metrics and leading indicators and, you know, how, do, how do you navigate that whole process? Because frankly, finance and, and the metrics drives a lot of organizations. Yes. Um, and it, it does stunt growth. Um, and it, it, it keeps people thinking small is, is how I would say. Um, the other phrase yeah. that comes to mind that I, I mentioned, I was going to quote Bob Chapman because he was so inspiring at the AMU event. But Bob said, why didn't we call lean, uh, listen. And I've heard people say, why don't we call lean learn about learning and growing? But he said, listen, and he said, you know, listen to your people, listen to your customer, gather up the, the wisdom of the crowds, basically, and um, create a culture of listening versus chasing a metric or hitting a particular business goal. And I just love that. Um, very, very inspiring. It, we, I think we misnamed the initiative lean and it could have been, we, there were so many other words we could have chosen. And uh, listen is not my new favorite. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's really good. Well, Michael, we're focused on, you know, kind of these, you know, what are some of the pitfalls, I guess, is what we'd call them of, of growth. What are some of the mistakes that organizations make? And you did a nice job outlining. We talked about insignificant improvement. Make sure you're prioritizing the right projects. Initiative overload. Don't take on too many projects because you got to, you got to leave your people enough time to be able to actually meet demand. And then rigid process is the last one you mentioned here. And I think it's a really, really interesting list. And now I'm curious if we flip it and you think about these leaders at these organizations, you know, we just said what they shouldn't do, what should they do? What should they be focused on? What are some of the things that, you know, as you're going through a growth phase as a leader, you know, where should you put your, your attention? Well, the, the easier answer is, is the easiest answer is just do the opposite of what I just said. <laughs> Um, but I, I'll, I'll paraphrase a little bit, uh, to, to help our listeners out a little bit, but, you know, I mentioned the fail fast, succeed fast mantra, you know, that's, that's the opposite of the rigid process and insignificant improvements. And in order to do that, I, I think companies really need to get back to some fundamentals and, and say, you know, do we have standards in place? Are our processes stable? Are we strict enough that we can, we can notice when an experiment is successful or not, or are we so out of control and so variable, we can't even see the improvement. So I think there's a big part of focusing on fundamentals, stabilizing your processes, 
revisiting standard work so that then you can look at the improvement phase from a stable platform. That allows you to fail fast and succeed fast because you've got the fundamentals of standard work in place. And then right on, right on the heels of that, it's, you know, your improvement process. How do people make improvements? Um, have you removed the barriers to make improvements or suggestions or ideas or observations? Have you made it easy for them? And revisiting your tier board, your suggestion system, your, your Kaizen, your, your rapid cycle improvement, whatever you call it, but just revisiting that whole process and saying, is it easy for the average employee to make an observation, make a suggestion, and, and maybe be part of an improvement solution um, every day? And then, of course, the leader's job is to focus those on aligning to the growth, the main metric, the big picture, the customer. Um, that's another sub point, I would say, you know, another big thing leaders can do is, is instill that growth mindset. You know, when they engage with employees, talk about the customer perspective, talk about their last customer visit, talk about customer feedback. Nothing better than hearing from an executive that they visit a customer, you know, they, they maybe weren't super happy with our product. And then somebody on the shop floor says, well, boy, I didn't even know that was a requirement. And I can maybe change my process to improve that finish or that packaging or that labeling or, you know, whatever the issue might be. So in turn, the, you know, the, the executive is, is talking about a problem and allowing the employee to brainstorm right there on the spot with a customer facing solution. That's a growth mindset. You know, when you get everybody saying, I wonder how this would impact the customer. Then yeah. you to a customer-centric growth mindset. So what sounds really key here then with this growth mindset, because I could see, obviously you're, you're going through a growth phase as a company, you're doing things you've never done before in order to do those things really well, or at the level you're used to doing them, it's going to take a lot of adjustments and trying different things out. How do you enable that growth mindset though, with folks on the, the front line and uh, with your folks actually making the products, you're saying that it's up to the leader to go down and share their insights with their folks on the floor to look for new ideas. And that's going to help, I guess, facilitate or allow them to have that growth mindset that it's, it's okay to think about different ways to do this. Absolutely. And again, back to the initiative overload comment, you know, it's a singular focus. It's not 27 different things. It's yeah. not a mission statement that you can't remember. It's a singular focus. I, I happened to bump into a, a, a couple of uh, colleagues at lunch at AME um, from U.S. Synthetic. It's a, it's a fairly small company out in uh, Salt Lake City. And uh, I didn't know these guys. I saw their 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 T-shirt and, and saw their logo. And I said, oh, I visited your company in 2015. And I said, is your company slogan, your, your, your motto, your mission statement still, um, we are improving lives? And they said, wow, yeah, it still is. How did you remember that? And I said, because it was so memorable. I said, everybody we talked to on the shop floor that talked about improving lives, improving their lives, the lives of their company, the lives of their customers, the lives in their community. And they had such a singular focus. It was easy to align efforts to that, to that mission. And I was happy to hear that the mission still is alive and well. And it's, uh, they've gone through some management changes and some, uh, some holding company changes, and yet the mission is still the mission. It's always, always great when it trickles down and it actually, you know, grabs a foothold on the front line and in the factory floor. But Michael, I'm curious, I want to go back to, you know, you mentioned another thing about, you know, 
leaders really need to be focused on the fundamentals. Yeah. When you're going through a growth phase, do the fundamentals change? Or is it still the same fundamentals? I would turn that back on you and say, when, when, you're, when you're winning a game or a losing game, do your football fundamentals make a difference? Yes. And I would argue, no. um, I, I would say it's the same as the football. The fundamentals are the fundamentals. You should not take your eye off those in the first place. If you're shrinking, if you're flat, if you're growing, the fundamentals are still the fundamentals. But I think what this does is it just opens the conversation um, back up and say, are we focused on the fundamentals? Are we, are we good enough at the fundamentals um, to lay this solid foundation so that we can rapidly identify opportunities for improvement? We can de detect abnormalities. Um, we can maybe course correct a little bit faster. Of course, the system I'm talking about is the standard work system. If that fundamental system is in place, you're going to be quickly able to detect normal from abnormal, um, yeah. to quote young Frankenstein, right? And when you're losing a football game, you know, you know, you're losing, but you're looking for all these little, you know, small opportunities, you know, did, did I execute properly? Did I make a mistake? Did I uh, miscommunicate to you? Whatever. You're, you're just hypersensitive to it because you're losing. So the fundamentals do become more important in that situation, but also growing, um, you know, growing in, in manufacturing is a bit, little bit like losing a football game. You know, you, you, it's unraveling right before your eyes and, and you see great potential. You just got to turn it around. I think, you know, as we've gone through, you know, kind of your list here, you know, it really has me, you know, the word that comes to mind is focus. Um, you know, when you really break it down, you're going through this significant growth phase. Like you got to focus and you got to choose where your focus is going to be. But then there, obviously there's a lot of other things you need to do here, but it sure seems like focus. And, you know, I, I like the, uh, initiative overload. That's another thing that really sticks with me because, you know, organizations have a tendency, especially, you know, you get in an organization who has that, you know, strong, continuous improvement culture. Uh, it's natural to want to try and improve a bunch of different things, uh, which could distract from the ultimate goal goal of, you know sustaining and supporting that growth. So I could see how that would be at odds potentially for some companies, but with the right leadership, you know, you can really get people to focus and, um, you know, really focus on supporting that growth. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if a leader came in and said, Hey, this is our focus, you know, here's our mission. And what do you think? And what can you do to, to help us meet our objectives and align to that objective? And how can we improve? with, with that customer in mind. I mean, wouldn't it be great if that was the conversation that was happening, uh, between our leaders and, and our managers and our supervisors and all the way down to the shop floor. You're bringing up another point that you didn't have on the list, but you know, if you're going through a growth like this, you almost have to go back and Hey, your job is different now than it was when we first hired you, right? Like we need you to support this growth initiative and these are the two projects that we want you to be focused on or areas we want you to be focused on. You almost need to redefine people's roles sometimes so they don't hang on to what they were initially hired for. Yeah, that, that reminds me of a story where I was working with a plant and they said, you know, we're just not getting ideas. We're not getting the shop floors, not really engaging in the brainstorming, the idea generation. And I said, well, did you tell them that was part of their job? And they said, no, we told them to be safe and productive. And I said, well, why don't you change and say, I want you to be safe, productive, and improving. And so they actually revamped their training, their, their HR onboarding to include that. Yeah. And yep. amazingly enough, they started getting suggestions and people were uh, asking more questions at meetings. 
And it started taking over the culture, which is exactly what they wanted. And so you're right, this growth becomes a trigger for how are you onboarding your employees? What do you tell them when they start? And how quickly can you sort of redirect their efforts um, to working on, on the big thing? You know, let's keep the main thing the main thing, as they say. You're bringing up another point here too, which is not part of today's discussion, but maybe for another one, which is when you want people to change or you want them to do things differently, you can't just tell them, you have to train them. I think that's really important. And whether that's a very quick, short couple hour training with them, or you bring in an outside firm to do the training with them, like that's, it seems like from what we've seen, very consistent way to get people to change the way they operate, change the way they think. So well, that's I was that. always, yeah. I was going to say that's, that's probably part of your, that 10% surge capacity, just, you know, you know, retraining, recalibrating, giving them a new set of skills. You, you might get 10% more out of your, out of your output just by doing that exercise. Um, and then it's going to have the lasting effect. Now you, now you've started changing the culture. So that, you know, there's more growth in the future then, which is, which is excellent. Absolutely. Well, Michael, this has been great. I think this is really helpful, obviously, as you know, hopefully we continue to see this great resurgence of, of U.S. manufacturing and hopefully our audience finds this helpful. Yeah. As, as I've said before, it's, it's such an exciting time to be in manufacturing and, you know, capturing this growth and kind of riding that wave. I mean, it makes it fun for everybody. Is it? Manufacturing is fun when it's growing. It really is. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things. It's what made our country so great and continues to make it so great. It's plays a key role in our, our economy as well. Well, great discussion. Thanks again today for today, Brian. All right. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Voices of Manufacturing podcast with Brian Salee and Michael Mullenberg. This show is brought to you by Dazuki, the premier digital transformation solution that allows manufacturers to standardize operations. Our website, where you can listen to our episodes and find tons of helpful resources, is dazuki.com. Sign up for our monthly newsletter so you'll be the first to know about new episodes. That's dazuki.com, and join us in creating the front line of the future.